Hi, I'm Dan Jones. And I'm Mia Lee, and we are the editors of Modern Love at The New York Times and co-hosts of the Modern Love podcast. We read love stories for a living. And by love stories, we mean essays written by real people about all forms of human connection. We're talking about everything from first dates to funerals, from sibling rivalries to new love at 85. On our show, we're going to bring those stories to life. We'll hear from the writers and also from the people who are written about. Relationships are the most important things in our lives. And the people that tell us their stories are just so brave, like way braver than I think I am most of the time. Yeah. They're so honest and so vulnerable. And listening to the stories, I feel like you absorb so much wisdom and you get a sense that you're not alone. You can follow Modern Love wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. We hope you'll join us. New episodes are out every Wednesday. From the New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is The Daily. Today. When the pandemic struck, the multi billion dollar theater industry went dark, shutting down shows mid production and preventing new shows from ever opening. But this summer, a small group of actors tried to bring the theater back to life. My colleague, Michael Paulson, tracked their journey. It's Friday, September 4th. So before the pandemic, I was seeing theater five or six times a week. My whole life revolved around Times Square and the theater district. And of course, that came abruptly to a halt in early March. And the lights have dimmed on New York's famed Broadway. Broadway theaters today extended their shutdown. Shows will now remain dark. And then about three months into the Broadway shutdown, I get a call from this theater in Western Massachusetts telling me they have some news. They have a plan. They're going to put on a show. That summer, in the Berkshires. When you feel sad. And it's going to be Godspell. Or under a curse. Your life is bad. Your prospects are worse. It is a show from 1971. It's about Jesus. And it depicts Jesus with a group of followers trying to instruct them in moral behavior by telling them parables. And for five decades, this show has been done over and over and over again. There have been 10,000 productions just over the last 20 years. It's been set in prisons and in homeless shelters and in refugee camps. People love it. So, of course, I was kind of excited, but I was also kind of disbelieving, like, wow, they're really going to do this and they're going to pull this off. This is a really 
complicated time for theater making because everything about theater seems risky. A large number of people in the cast of Moulin Rouge got the virus. A number of producers and theater owners got the virus. And probably most devastating for the Broadway community was the saga of Nick Cordero. Please welcome Tony nominee, Nick Cordero and his gangster. A really well-liked guy, young, seemingly fit and healthy, had gotten married relatively recently and had a new baby, just relocated to L.A. and started feeling sick and was diagnosed with the virus, Uh, spent months in the hospital, and ultimately he died. So the big union, Actors' Equity, that represents 51,000 professional actors and stage managers across the country has forbidden its members from auditioning, rehearsing, or performing in person. And every actor I know is unemployed. Unemployment is almost total in the theater world. There is no work. And that means not only no income, but it really threatens everyone's access to health care because actors earn health insurance by working and they're not working. And so it's a devastating time for a group of people who already many of them live on the edge. And so a couple months into the pandemic, here comes this theater in Western Massachusetts that wants to do Godspell. This is a region of the country that has a very low coronavirus caseload. Godspell only has 10 actors and doesn't involve any romantic entanglements or hand-to-hand combat. And the theater, the Berkshire Theater Group, is willing to do almost anything that Equity wants to get this show going. So based on all of that, the union agrees. This is the only musical with union actors taking place in the United States of America this summer. And everyone in the theater world is watching. Some with horror, some with excitement, some with dread. The stakes are enormous because if this works, it might be a model for continuing to do some theater Uh, in some parts of the country and in other parts of the world. And if it doesn't work, it's going to send a terrible signal about the ability of the theater world to limit risk. Okay, so just in case we use audio, just tell me your name and uh, like what you're doing in this show. My name is Nicholas Edwards and I play Jesus. So I get to the Berkshires in late July And I start to meet everyone. There's 12 actors, 10 of them on stage, plus the two understudies. And you're a college student? Yes, I'm going to be a senior this upcoming fall. They range in age from 20 to 34. And there I played Alphaba in Wicked for two and a half years on Broadway. A few of them have Broadway experience. Most of them do not. So I just... I just felt that this would be one of the craziest, wildest experiences I could be a part of, especially right now. So they're all going to live together in a house. They're forming a kind of quarantine bubble. 
They're going to be tested three times a week for the virus. They're not going to go to the gym. They're not going to socialize. They're not going to date. They're not going to party. They're going to stay together. And their two priorities are to make a great show and not to get sick. It's Sunday afternoon in the Berkshires. And the cast is outside in a tent running through the song, We Beseech Thee. So as the rehearsals got underway... So they're sweating, the mics are starting to slip off their heads. There are people all over the place with Clorox wipes and hand sanitizer. There are these rules about how many people can be in the bathroom at one time, and they get personal bins of, like, pencils and towels and scripts that are going to be sanitized every night. They're spaced out about 10 feet apart from each other. There are two rows. And then there are all the performance rules. The stage is going to be carved up into these 10 areas that they call home bases. There's going to be no physical contact between actors. And not only that, but they're not going to even pass props from one to another. Only one person can touch a prop. So right now they're relying on distance to keep them safe. Yeah, it's so weird. You know, actors are used to kind of being really close to one another and reading one another and talking toward one another, singing toward one another. And Godspell is a show that is kind of about building community. And often that involves things like hugging. And so suddenly they're in these boxes and it's, it's absolutely strange, but it's going, they're getting it down. And then they hit a roadblock. The stage manager one morning is watching the rehearsal and he doesn't love what he's seeing. People are too close to each other and they might be singing at each other. So he goes over to talk to the director and the director is upset. They only have two weeks of rehearsal, they're halfway in and he feels like he doesn't yet know the rules under which they have to operate. So he stops the rehearsal. And then Nick Edwards, the actor who's playing Jesus, he feels like he can't wait for all these people in the Berkshires to debate about what is and what is not permissible. And instead, he dials New York. He calls the union and he says, we need some rules, we need some guidance, we need some definitive decision. And the news, although clarifying, is not great. They're going to have to restage most of the numbers that they've already learned. They're going to have to use masks more often. They're going to have to stand behind screens more often. They're going to have to rethink a lot of the blocking in a way that's going to mean re-rehearsing much of the first half of the show. So later that night, the actors all got together on the porch of this house that they're sharing. Yeah. We all signed a contract. Yeah. Not knowing what the safety precautions were going to be. We all figured social distancing, wearing a mask, doing the right things. And we thought that we'd get to do a show on stage. Maybe we won't be touching, yeah. socially distant. And it's just gotten so far yeah, it's that it's, I'm getting so stressed, so frustrated. But you know, there's some frustration and some second-guessing. Like, well, I don't understand this whole floor thing. I'm like, it's dirtier oh, than right. the platform is. What? Why is it okay for us to sit on the floor but not to sit on a chair where others have sat? 
there was an article about a woman who was 20 years old who had to get a loan transfer for it in New York. Like, this could literally happen to anyone, so I feel like... And then somebody points out that people are getting sick all over the country and people are dying. I think shying away from corona like is a huge mistake. Like doing the show with less mask and less like trying to pretend like this isn't happening, I think is a bad idea. And if they get this right. This is literally a new form of They might be demonstrating a model of how performance can happen. They might be helping people get jobs. They might be saving theater. Actually, I was just talking to my friend um, about this whole thing, and she was like, you don't realize that like, this is going to go down in like, history books, and like, you need to document this, um, and like, you might be the only show that happens during this time. And so I was like, wow, I guess when you put it that way. <laughs> we should start video vlogging, do diaries. And that's how the conversation ends. I go back to where I'm staying, and they go back to running lines. We'll be right back. This fall, history is happening. September 14th, 2021. Hamilton, the Tony, Grammy, Olivier, and Pulitzer Prize-winning musical, returns to Broadway. Tickets are on sale now. Performances begin September 14th. Hamilton, back on Broadway at the Richard Rogers Theater. Learn more at hamiltonmusical.com. Hey, do you have your tickets? Yeah, uh, well, I have it on my phone. Yeah, if you could pull those up and then zoom in on the barcode, that would be great. So finally, rehearsals are over and performances begin. And then hold it up to the window. The show's in demand and it's been sold out. Perfect. When the audience arrives, they have to have their temperature taken. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is people Kim were super Sarah. excited to be seeing theater again. It's so great seeing people gathered here together to watch this amazing performance and support. You could feel some kind of, are we really doing this energy? Like looking around, uh, adjusting the mask, making sure your seat feels far enough from everybody else. And now without further ado, I invite you to sit back, relax, have fun, and please join me in welcoming to the stage the cast of Godspell. Hi, my name is Nicholas, Nick. In March of 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic took away everything I worked my whole life for. The original production of Godspell opens with this scene called the Tower of Babel in which a bunch of philosophers are arguing about different ideas. I'm Mike Wartella. Five months ago, I lost my job and my social life and my means for keeping myself emotionally balanced and stable. And this production cuts that and instead opens with each of these actors talking in the first person about their own experiences at the start of the pandemic. Since March of this year, I have felt helpless, alone, treated as if I am the cause of this pandemic just because I'm Asian. I've also struggled with an addiction for a bunch of years, and this stuff has really kicked up all the old feelings. I was six weeks out from ending the first national tour of Aladdin, a dream job. And then there's like this transition. And then the shofar sounds and you realize, oh yeah, I'm going to see Godspell. Prepare ye the way 
of the Lord. And, yeah, they're putting on and taking off masks, and they're occasionally ducking behind screens. And you can't help but notice that they're staying apart from each other. Now, I baptize you with water for repentance sake, but he... Right at the beginning, there's this scene of baptism where John the Baptist is baptizing everyone, and it's mimed. You know, he's not touching them. He's not putting water on them. It's an actor holding a sponge in the air, pretending that water is coming out of it. And people far away from him are pretending that water is falling on them. When wilt thou save the people, O God of mercy, when? And, you know, you can feel the audience starting to relax, starting to enjoy this, starting to engage with it. There's this vaudeville number in the show that Jesus and Judas perform together. And normally it's done with uh, top hats and canes. But instead of canes in this production, they use yardsticks uh, so that they can pretend to measure the six feet apart from each other. You try putting on skinny jeans after a COVID diet. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, they go through a kind of elaborate pandemic pantomime where... Jesus puts on gloves and and, uh, makes the gestures of putting sanitizer on his hands. And Judas does something similar. It's a comedic number, but also a reminder of the kind of strange practices that we've all so quickly embraced in an effort to keep ourselves and each other safe. I remember this one song in particular. Out of the ruins It's this ballad that Nick sings, and it's called Beautiful City. And it's, you know, this moving song about attempts to rebuild after a crisis. We can build a beautiful city. Yes, we can. Yes, we And it felt especially moving for me because during rehearsals, Nick, the actor playing Jesus, had really struggled to get through it. He's like at center stage and he's halfway through the song and it starts to be about loss of faith. And he chokes up. He can't finish. He sits down and he buries his head in his shirt. And they have to stop the rehearsal. And the director says, you know, if this was any time but this, we would come over and hug you. But we can't. And the other actors send him air hugs. And he stumbles through it. When your faith is all but killed, you can give up. And the next few times I heard him do the song in rehearsal, 
he's still like, you could feel like at that moment his voice would catch and he would have to work harder to get to the end. A beautiful city, not a city of angels, but finally. And so not only is the song moving, but knowing like how much it means to him, uh, how much he himself had felt discouraged and afraid and hopeful and brave and alive. A city of men. Yeah, I get lost in a way that when theater works, you want to get lost. So, I tell you this, one of you among us will betray me. You know, the show ends with this kind of mix of emotions. Jesus has been crucified. Oh, God, I'm dead. But then there's this medley of songs as the community comes back together. And also as the musical is trying to send people back into the streets, not feeling depressed. The crowd absolutely gives a standing ovation. There's like this enthusiasm, like, wow, they really did this. And wow, they were good. And wow, I really did this. I came back to a show and I lived to tell about it. So where are we now? We're still so far from Broadway restarting from the kind of theater that so many of us used to see, where we sat cheek by jowl with other people in these old buildings. What we have is a small production of a 50-year-old musical under a tent in a rural corner of Western Massachusetts. It's not a sustainable path forward for theater in America. It's not what we had before the pandemic, and it's not what we hope to have. But I think it's meaningful. It's a group of actors. It's a theater showing a way to make art, to see art for now. And it's succeeding. The show has been selling out. It's extended. So far, the actors have been safe and the audiences have been safe. The union has even decided to allow a few more shows to go forward. They're all small, they're all in rural New England, but this time they're going to be indoors. And for me, a guy who used to go see Broadway shows multiple nights a week, I'm now contemplating the possibility of renting another car and driving to the White Mountains of New Hampshire so that next month, I can see another experiment in making theater during a pandemic.
We'll be right back. This month, new originals, new episodes. Stream all your favorites with the Disney Bundle. On Disney+, Plus. watch Star Wars The Bad Batch and High School Musical The Musical The Series. On Hulu, originals like The Handmaid's Tale and Shrill. And on ESPN+, Plus, new episodes of Stephen A's World and The Best of MLB. Sign up at thedisneybundle.com. Includes Hulu ad-supported or Hulu no ads. Access content from each service separately. And select ESPN Plus content via Hulu. Terms apply. Copyright 2021 Disney and its related entities. Here's what else you need to know today. On Thursday night, the city of Rochester, New York, suspended seven police officers involved in the suffocation of a black man in their custody, Daniel Prude. You killed a defenseless black man, a father's son, a brother's brother, a nephew's uncle. I mean, come on. Prude's family has expressed outrage over the case, much of which was captured in a video showing officers placing a hood over Prude's head and pressing his face into the pavement for two minutes. I mean, come on. How many more brothers gotta die for society to understand that this needs to stop? Before he was detained, Prude, who had been suffering from mental health problems, ran out of his brother's house in an erratic state wearing no clothes, saying that he had the coronavirus, and spitting. Police who encountered him apparently placed the hood over his head to prevent Prude from spitting at them. And the Times reports that the Trump administration plans to bring an antitrust case against Google as soon as this month, capping a high-profile investigation into whether the tech giant has abused its dominance over online search. The decision appears to be controversial within the Department of Justice. Most lawyers working on the case say that the charges are being rushed, but those lawyers have been overruled by the Attorney General, Bill Barr. The Daily is made by Theo Balcom, Andy Mills, Lisa Tobin, Rachel Quester, Lindsay Garrison, Annie Brown, Claire Tennisketter, Paige Cowan, Michael Simon Johnson, Brad Fisher, Larissa Anderson, Wendy Dore, Chris Wood, Jessica Chung, Stella Tan, Alexandra Lee Young, Jonathan Wolf, Lisa Chow, Eric Krupke, Mark George, Luke Vanderplug, Kelly Prime, Julia Longoria, Sindhu Yanasambandan, MJ Davis Lynn, Austin Mitchell, Nina Potuk, Dan Powell, Dave Shaw, Sydney Harper, Daniel Guimet, Hans Buto, Robert Jimison, Mike Benoit, Bianca Gaver, Asta Chaturvedi, Rochelle Banja, and Liz O'Balin. Our theme music is by Jim Brunberg and Ben Landsberg of Wonderly. Special thanks to Sam Dolmek, Michaela Bouchard, Lauren Jackson, Julia Simon, Nora Keller, Mahima Chablani, and Des Ibiqua. That's it for The Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. See you on Tuesday after the holiday.
brought to you by the Capital One Venture Card. With Venture, you earn unlimited double miles on every purchase, every day. And you can use those miles toward travel expenses, like flights, hotels, rental cars, and more. Just book and pay for your travel using your Venture Card and redeem your miles toward the cost. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Credit approval required. Capital One Bank, USANA.